on digital radio across the UK, online and in your ears right now. Welcome to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. Hello and welcome to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory Series 2. If I had a party popper, I would pop it now. But unfortunately, we don't have any budget left. We spent all the budget on bunting, which with hindsight wasn't a great idea for radio. So I'm Jeff Lloyd and you're you. And this is Union Jack Radio, which is a radio station that celebrates the best of British music and comedy. It's like 2012 all over again when we could just revel in British culture without people going, oh, Brexit or yay, Brexit. So, Union Jack Radio bangs the drum for music and comedy from the country that gave you the Beatles, Blackadder, Amy Winehouse, People Just Do Nothing, David Bowie, Alan Partridge, Massive Attack, The Royal Family, Dizzy Rascal, Only Fools and Horses. I'll stop now, I'm just listing things and I need to breathe. But Union Jack is the home for British music and comedy. Well, that's what it says on this piece of paper I've got in front of me. And I'm here too. The first series of Hometown Glory saw me interview some of Britain's best comedians taking a stroll down memory lane to their hometowns, hence the name of the show. And unfortunately, there weren't enough complaints to stop us from doing another series, so here we are again. And this time, it's not just British comedians, it's British comedians, musicians, TV presenters, anyone we can get our hands on, really. I'm delighted to say that Sky One is the new sponsor of Hometown Glory. It's right up our street. You know, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, you'll be particularly impressed, I think, with the skill in which I tied our sponsor into the message of our show there by using the phrase right up our street. Um, I genuinely couldn't be any more thrilled to have Sky One on board. They are, of course, the place for homegrown British comedy, drama and entertainment alongside the most popular shows from the United States. Stuff like Modern Family, which has won so many Emmys at this point that they must have to employ someone just to polish the awards. And if you haven't seen it yet, it is one of the best ensemble casts on television and one of the funniest sitcoms of the past decade. You've got to dive in. You can watch this and all of Sky One's other great shows by going to unionjack.co.uk where you can win Sky Q free for a year. Every two weeks, we're going to be getting nostalgic with Glenn Matlock from the Sex Pistols, Andy Hamilton, creator of Outnumbered, comedian and writer Mark Steele, the governess from The Chase, Anne Hegarty, and this week a man who perfectly encompasses Union Jack's love of British music and comedy, the charming Mr. Phil Jupitus. Barking, Essex. It takes its name from the old Anglo-Saxon berikingas, meaning dwellers among the birch trees, which is a bitter blow to any dogs listening who wanted to claim it as their spiritual home. Now, in more recent times, Barking has given us one of our finest singer-songwriters, Billy Bragg. I don't want to change the world, I'm not looking for New England. One of our finest actor-stroke-hardmen documentarian hybrids, Ross Kemp. Stay away from here if you want to stay in one piece. And it's given us Stacey Solomon. Oh my gosh. Oh, bless her. 
Barking is also the place where this week's guest spent a huge portion of his upbringing. It's comedian, actor, poet, DJ and writer, Phil Jupiter's. You're 16, remember that number, 16-year-old daughter is having a boy stay the night. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and with the help of an iPad and Google Maps, I'm about to take Phil Jupiter's time travelling to the streets where he grew up in Union Jack's hometown glory. Jeff Lloyd's hometown glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. With Sky One, for those who like their shows bigger, brighter and bolder. Sounds like our first wave. So, Phil Jupiter, you're born on the Isle of Wight, yeah. and then you moved to Barking at the age of four. Yeah. Where do you consider your hometown? I like the peripatetic life. I like mm. the moving around, and I suppose... Rolling Stone. I would say, if you had to go where... If anyone was like, where are you from? The, the default answer is Essex. Right. And I think Essex. And people go, oh, where in Essex? And I go... Essex, because Barking's in Essex. I spent a lot of time in Stanfordly Hope. I lived in Hornsden on the Hill. I'm in Chalkwell now. I was a long time in Leon Sea with the kids, you know. And when I very first came to the mainland, just after I was born, I was actually in Aldgate. So if you look at that in terms of linear development, my hometown is the A13. So you start in Aldgate, <laughs> and then you go to Barking, and then you go along to Horndon, and then you go to Stamford, and then you go to Lee, and then you go to Chalkwell. I'm slowly moving east along the A13, and following that trajectory, I should end up dying in Shoebriness. <laughs> That's the way I'm working on it. So, so to try and hold the uh, the flimsy premise of the program yeah, together, yeah, yeah. Um, will we will we start with Barking then? Let's start with Barking. Okay. Definitely. So, yeah, what was yeah. what was the address you moved to in Barking at the age of Barking? It's a pub uh, which uh, sadly they're no longer, but it is now a bang on African restaurant. A uh, pub called the Brewery Tap on Ripple Road. So you lived so, above um, a pub. Yeah, yeah. So who's who's, who's who's the nuclear family there? So Mum had me on her own. The sixties love child, as I as I used. To, there's the A13. There, someone's just playing the A13 up on the screen for us. But did Billy Bragg do a, do a A13 trunk road to the... A13 trunk road to the sea based on Bobby Troop's Route 66, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's difficult for British roads to have that kind of romanticism well, of the Route Well, this is exactly... When he, when, he, when, he, when he applied the Bobby Troop template to the A13, it was one of the... I've always... What I've always liked in my music is wit, is humour. You know, there are bands that are funny. You know, Madness, Injury and the Blockheads, the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. House Martins, they might be famously... House Martin is very funny lyrics when you examine them, you know. uh, Just when songs are funny, you know, Weller, and and a lot of people, you know, he doesn't do funny songs, but Come to Milton Keynes by the Star Council is a brilliantly kind of dry, witty song. Right. Um, So we're taking quite a detour there from the A13. Yes. I know we have, but, but this but is worth it. As you, as, these detours are what you, this as, is all about. And, yeah. and anyone that's yeah. driven the A13 will yeah. know you've got to get off it as soon as possible. <laughs> so that's very much an allegory for it as a Britain's crappiest road. <laughs> so the Bre- Brewer's Tap was the name of the pub? Brewery Tap, yeah. Brewery yeah. Tap, yeah. do you pardon? Yeah, yeah. What's your mum's name? Dot. Okay, and, and yeah. did your mum work in the pub? Yeah, yeah, she, she worked for Nan and Granddad. So what are uh, your memories of being four years old? Is it the, is the smell of the pub? Yeah, I used to, we had a potman called Jock and I used to open bottle up in the mornings, well, so the weekends, so Saturday, I'd refill the uh, miniature bottles, so all the little Britvic fruit juices and tonics and this, that and the other. So he'd give me a little list and I'd take me empty crate down to the cellar and I'd get out the 
the smell of a pub cellar gives me a bit of a Proustian rush. Right, yeah, yeah. Because it's a kind of, it's off beer and damp yes. and uh, Victorian plaster that is falling to bits and uh, disinfectant. So all of those weird smells combine to to form a sort of homely smell for me. It's the way your clothes used to smell after a day in the pub, but they don't necessarily anymore. Smoking, yes, that's the weird thing. Is a mate of mine said that after the smoking ban in New York, and that was one of the first metropolitan cities that had a smoking ban. He said it was really weird because you used to go into bars and not smell anything. And then the smoking bag came in and used to go into bars and all you could smell was B.O. and piss. <laughs> because you could suddenly smell what they smelled like without the masking odour of cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> My... Uh, f- fifth birthday party so it was my first birthday party when I had school friends was in the saloon bar where the band used to play I had a party in a pub when I was five (laughs) (laughs) so are you good at things like darts and skittles I do remember my first bullseye and the very weird thing I remember is looking up at the dartboard that's the weird thing is I remember throwing it but I remember looking up right at the dartboard because I was only been the height of a six year old so throwing up and getting a bullseye yeah and running up to tell my mother I got a bullseye being very excited about it I will be and I feel terrible admitting this now I was not standing on the hockey. I believe, this, is, this was my next question. I believe I was a little closer. Right, so we you but, you know, have to disqualify. If you're disqualify too close and you're throwing up, the thing's just going to bounce off and get you in the eyes. So yeah. I count myself lucky I wasn't blinded. So, yeah. Was there a jukebox in the pub? No, because they had a live band. Right, every night. I think it was uh, Fridays to Sundays they had the live band. And is that your earliest memory of music? Well, I was hearing it coming up through the floor. What sort of song would they be? I mean, what year are we talking about? Right, chippy, my baby, chippy, chippy. <laughs> so it's, oh, I can't hear the lyrics. So we're like, so like talking there from 64. So 66. Here's the weird thing is yeah. I remember my brother being born in April. I don't remember the World Cup. Weird. Don't remember the World yeah. Cup at all. Not a glimmer of it. Yeah. I remember the Apollo moon landing. I don't remember the World Cup in 66. Ah. I remember going to Barking Hospital and seeing my brother because he was... Um, he was overdue, he was late, and so he, he looked a bit uh, like a healer monster when he came out. He was a bit blotchy. In terms of school and that, I am I need to be indulged by teachers. And what I don't respond to well to is that kind of do-as-you're-told discipline. I yeah, that, yeah. That is, I went uh, to a, a boarding school when I was older, and I'm like, no, not for me, and I hated it. And it was only the teachers that liked me as a person I'd do work for, and the others I could, I was like, I have to very carefully not swear because I really didn't like this school. They would um, only play favourites with like the boys that were good at rugby, right, yeah, or the yeah. boys that were very, very academic. There were a lot of bad teachers. Well, at, sorry, let's say the school, Wolverston Hall. Well, we can come on to that. We, we found we found doing this since we've been doing this. Yeah. Anybody who's millennial, the teachers are warm and nurturing, and anybody who's sort of Gen X or, a, you know, a bit older um, it's it's like a lot of the teachers are, seem to hate children and that's why they well, went that's, well, that's what I love about it. I used to get beaten and it never did me any harm I mean, here's the harm it did you that you can actually say that sentence and not feel like an idiot that's the harm it did you that's the harm it did yeah. you that you can say my parents beat me and it never did me any harm is the harm that it did you that you normalise violence that's the harm you pinhead 
Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. With Sky One, bringing you the best comedy, drama and entertainment from the UK and US. We'll raise our teacups to that. What was your primary school? Northbury School in Barking, which was the same primary school that Billy Bragg went to. But so North are you Bray. a similar age? Well, Billy was, he's four years older than me. So, so would we, you have been in the same building at the same time? Well, you went on no, to have because there was, a fence, were... there was a fence separating the juniors from the infants. Like the and Berlin we Wall. would have been in the same playground divided by a fence. Wow. So we were. Wiggy and I were two years apart. It so was Wiggy, if people don't know, is Billy's mate who Billy's, went on to yeah. be his, his roadie guitarist. and guitarist. He was, and... Yeah, yeah, he was in the band. With, he was in Riff Raff with Billy. He taught Billy to play guitar. Who was your best friend at primary school? Philip Thorne. Okay. Still, Philip Thorne. Still Remember in touch with Philip Thorne? No, no. <laughs> I had a girlfriend called Patricia. Uh, you, were, you were an early starter then? Oh, yeah. Patricia. No kissing. Patricia, so I was five. Let's let's be sensible. Like in what uh, sense was she your girlfriend then? You would hold hands? Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. Don't ask me. I was five. <laughs> let's not get weird about it. So I remember, so Philip Thorne, and then uh, there was a kid over the way opposite the tap who lived over Boots in the flats called John Paul Bewley. It's really weird that I can throw up these names. It is. I bumped into Philip Thorne in the Broadway. And he, I, remember, I remember him vividly saying, what you feel? Like that. Because we're both called Philip, that's why we were mates. Weird. And was it the first time you'd heard somebody say "watcher"? No, I don't know. That's I a weird know. thing to stick in your mind. Well, the, my showbiz career started in um, Barking with, in, in uh, the 1968 Barking Carnival. Oh, go on. And I was on uh, the pub had a float in the carnival, and I was a cave boy. So if you can find the 1968 Barking Carnival and the uh, photos of the floats. Oh, here we go. Good luck with that. Google image. Have you ever Have you ever tried this? Have you ever tried wow. Google imaging this stuff? No, I really haven't, actually. We, we've got some pictures up now on the screen, and we're seeing... Of the Barking Carnival. Yeah. If you see the cave people one... What do you remember about being a cave person on the back of a float? My costume was a paper potato sack with leopard print painted on it. Classic. And I held a paper mache club. <laughs> And there was something, something about this. This is like, actually, this is like um, CSI, your personal life, this show. <laughs> because basically, whenever I say anything, there's a lovely man next door who's just like straight away on the keyboards. <laughs> and it's like, it's almost like that Tom Cruise, it's like Minority Report. I yeah, wish that yeah. we had it floating in midair. So the seeds uh, are being sown here, aren't they? If people say, what was your first gig? I'm like, yeah, yeah, that was it. And did, was you it. know, did you go down well? Did you tank? <laughs> I've no idea, man. You're on a, you're on, you're, that's you're an a easy tra- gig being on the back a, of a it's float. It's a transient, you're a transient, you yeah. know. It's like, it's like asking an ice cream van, man. What's your best tune? What yeah, one yeah. Get, really gets the kids out? And it's like a bit like, you know what? They're not coming for the music. Yeah. And with a, with a carnival float, they're not coming for the float. Yeah. They're coming for the carnival. Yeah, so, you yeah. Know, yeah. But you mean, it's, it's a great gig that you can just stand there and people will wave and cheer just because you you exist and you're moving yeah, along. It was it, it was just that they realised they didn't have any cave children right. and it was a very last minute booking. <laughs> so it was that morning, one of the barmaids who was a cave woman in a fur bikini said to me, Mum, do, oh, do you think Pip would like to to come on the float with us? And me and I was, yeah, if you want to look after him. And, and so my mum was that proud that there were no photos of it. <laughs> so are you Pip in your family then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you yeah. Pip to anybody outside of your family? No. No. No, no, no. 
Would you would you like it if I called you Pip? Would it feel weird? There are two bottles on this table. I'll just say that. <laughs> so, um, what were you what were you good at apart from you know your art, stellar performance? Art history, right? At school, uh, they were my go to subjects. And who was you, who was the, the teacher who? Well, I can't. Uh, the weird, really weird thing is I can't remember the names of any of the teachers from Northbury or Horndon, but um. My teacher, when I was at Stanford Juniors, when we moved to Stanford Lee Hope, Mrs. Perryman, uh, when I gigged in Barnstable two years ago, came to see me gigging. So there's nothing like when you're on stage discussing your sex life <laughs> as comedy material to have a woman who educated you when you were seven, a little old lady sat in the front row with grey hair looking up at you, who taught you how to read. But she didn't teach you about it. the birds and the bees. She did not. <laughs> Do you remember doing sex education at school? No, I wasn't allowed to. There's a funny story about that. Oh, really. go on. No, which is that my mum, my mum wouldn't let me do sex ed. So, um, so you bring back the letter when you're doing the sex ed. You get given the little letter to bring back for the permission slip because obviously you have to be permission has to be given. And I gave it to my mum, and she no, she ticked the no box, and so it was just me and two other kids. What did you do during the well? Well, well we, I just sat and did drawing, I think. But I only worked out later. She and she said, she said, no, you're not seeing that because I should. She said, I think it's the parents' responsibility to tell you. And of course, what I worked out later was, was she had to tell me. The facts of life, but also explain why I didn't have a dad. Right. So she had to explain the whys and the wherefores of my provenance. Right. So, yeah, that was a, a long and involved personal story. What was the most trouble you ever remember being in? I did run away when I was three. At three? I mean, that's, again, you're an early starter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ran away at three. But I just wanted to go to the park. So I, I basically, I remember, I'll tell you what I can remember of that. So that's my earliest memory is shutting the front door behind me and really having to reach up to pull it shut. So I remember shutting the front door and going round the corner past the news agents up the road to Barking Station. And I remember walking on the concourse and remember thinking, now the park is up this road. Is it? And then going to the train station and being, oh, I can't remember where I am now. And just standing on the concourse and a woman coming up to me going, hello, uh, you know, where's your, where's your, is, where's your mummy? I went, oh, no. And so she took me to Barking Police Station. And I remember my mum saying it was the most horrific uh Half hour of her life. Oh, can you imagine? I mean, you're a parent. I mean, just hearing that oh, story, yeah. a three-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. back then you would see kids out on the streets, yeah, but you don't. Exactly. Not, not a three-year-old yeah. sort of wondering. I'm, yeah, I mooched. So that the walk from the brewery tap to Barking Station is 350 yards. Right. On my own, busy high street in 1965. Okay. I don't remember my mum coming to the police station to get me. She said, she said you were crying and that you wet yourself. Mm. That's all I was told about was that I soiled a, a, a chair in Barking Police Station. I'd like to apologise to the <laughs> Barking Police officers. And, and in terms of bladder control, as you get older, were you a bedwetter? <laughs> How did that all go weirdly, for you? Weirdly, weirdly, yeah. weirdly, I'm 55. Is more of an issue now. <laughs> Although I stopped drinking, it was when you, you know, it's that. Yeah, yeah. I think that anyone, uh, it's like any man over 50 who goes out on the lash and has a drink like the old days, you know, and and you wake up in the morning. That is the first thing you check, isn't it? <laughs> that is the, the victory. The victory for a post 55 year old man is waking up after going out on a on a bender and waking up and going, oh, thank God I didn't piss myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. With Sky One, bringing you action-packed drama. We're ready. We've clenched everything. We interrupt this program for an important announcement. Union Jack Radio plays six decades of the best of British music and lets you vote for it. <gasps> Download the Union Jack app or on the website and pick which song plays next. Ten million votes and counting. This is Union Jack. The, uh, what was the local cinema? The Odeon is where I saw The Jungle Book. And is that the first film you remember seeing? No, my mum and me went to see The Jungle Book in the West End at the Odeon in Leicester Square where it was open. So I saw The Jungle Book because I remember singing I Want to Be Like You walking across Piccadilly Circus. So how big a part would, the, would, would London and the West End play in your life? Well, it's because my aunt had a pub in Knightsbridge. She had a pub called the Paxton's Head. So the family were basically publicans. They used to hang out on a Saturday when they had nothing to do, in Harrods. Right. So they used to take me with them. I used to hang out. They used to take us to Harrods and we'd just walk around <laughs> and you go to the toy department and there's like magicians walking around the toy department in 1968. And the pet department so, would have had sort of lions and things in it. Back well, then. I mean, I, I don't remember ever going to the pet department. I remember the toy department sort yeah. of quite vividly, really, you know. Apart from the band of the pub, when, when did music become part of your life? Uh, well, it was weirdly, the first album I remember actually playing as a record putting on was The Jungle Book, which was um, the original one had uh, Sterling Holloway doing narrating. So it was like the story. So before videos, you know, if you wanted to see a film again, you had to go to the pictures again. But we did have the album of The Jungle Book, which had Sterling Holloway telling the story. And, you know, that rich, beautiful voice of his. There's a photo of me that I'll try and dig out and send that you can stick up for the Listen Again people. In fact, I'll tell you what, is Google, I'm, I'm speaking to the, uh, into the, um, uh, Phil Jupiter's Beatles guitar. No, 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 it's a little, it's a, fo- no, there it is, yeah, that uh-huh. little boy. So There's, that's me, um, this that's bit, me. Bit, how old are you there? Oh, two, three. And that's Joe Strummer. We don't want that one. And you got some Beatles merch. Uh, that'd be worth a bomb. Lucky no strings. There. And I believe I'm, what I'm forming there. And I'll tell you what, this is how advanced I was. I'm having to go up playing a B there. And that's a, <laughs> that's a big ask for a two-year-old, a B. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so at age 11, you get this scholarship to go to. We won't dwell on the boarding yeah, school yeah. you went to because it sounds like it was a yeah. pretty miserable experience. Well, my cousins were there, so my aunt... My aunt basically helped my mum get a scholarship for me to go to the same school as my cousins. And was it, like, I'm thinking Hogwarts, was it that type of place? Uh, not really. Not so much the magic. I mean, it's weird. It's because the boys that went to it, so it was like, it was called at the time, it was called the Poor Man's Eaton. Like, that was a good selling point. So there were really posh kids and very, very, like, working class kids, like sons of well-to-do greengrocers from the East End. Whether you talked about before not liking being told what to do and sort of... <laughs> Responding well to yeah, the yeah. sort of teachers who draw it out Phil of you Taylor. and Phil Taylor. The, the Phil Taylor. Who's Phil Taylor? My English teacher at Wolverston. And he's the one that you remember? He's p- probably one of the reasons I'm sitting in front of you today. Because he encouraged me as a poet. 
Because people, people who know your career well will know that you were you started off as a sort of a stand-up punk poet called yeah, Porky yeah. the Poet. Yeah, yeah. And he that was all down to Phil of, Taylor. Uh, yeah, he, he so encouraged he, me as a kid and he was like, what I was did a he turn very, you on very to? quiet kid. Sort of people like the Mersey Poets and performing about performing. He used to do sort of school plays and things. He played guitar. He was, sort of, he was a bit of a polymath. Um, I went to Glastonbury one year and I did meet him for lunch, him and his missus, and we had lunch. And what I wish I'd done was I did Shakespeare at the Theatre Royal Bath, and he lives out west somewhere. And I wish that I'd made the effort of tracking down and inviting him to see me doing Midsummer Night's Dream, because, again, I wouldn't have acted without him. I wouldn't have, you know. And he knew that to inspire a lazy kid, make him love what he's doing. And he knew how to fire up that enthusiasm. Whereas, you know, those teachers that would just give you a book and go, learn those four chapters, and then write an essay about it. They're <laughs> you, you must... <laughs> I'm going to ask the question. So you're, you're at boarding school. You're a hormonal teenager. Yeah, yeah. Where where are you meeting or seeing girls? School discos. Yeah. Who was your first crush? Carol Jenkins, Glenn's sister. I was right, I right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you wanted to get out of school, how far from stuff were you? And when were you allowed Ipswich out? Ipswich was a bus ride away, and you could go at the weekend if you wanted. If you weren't gated, as they called it, gated, you weren't allowed off the grounds. Uh, there was a village called Chelman Diston. There was a really brilliant pub called the Pin, uh, the Button Oyster at Pin Mill, and that's where you where, go underage drinking. Where the cartoonist Giles used to drink. Is that right? Yeah, from the Express. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. you used to buy it in like. You know, like the drums you get a uh, window washing, like those one gallon, that's what you used to buy it in. It was like three quid for a big eight pint poly bin of uh, button oyster cider, which had, you know, I, I used to like that um, that Alexis Sale line where you go, uh, Scruttock's old dirigible that had bits of beak and straw floating about in it. <laughs> oh, bits of beak is a usual brilliant of use beak. of language. Yeah. That. And what about um, record shops? Uh, Parrot Records in Ipswich. Do you remember the first record you bought from Parrot Records? Lou Reed, Trans uh, Transformer. Yeah. And also Lou Reed, Rock and Roll Animal, the live album. Uh, but Prog as well, so Genesis and Pink Floyd. So Prog and Lou Reed and Bowie. But Queen as well and pop music too. Right. So Slade. Uh, I remember a Saturday night being in the dorm on a Saturday night and us playing Bohemian Rhapsody all night and not believing what we were listening to, how weirdly, how can an eight record, eight minute record be in the charts, you know? Just Do you still like that this. song all these years later? Because um, it's a weird one to even, uh, uh, you've heard I, it so I much. I think there's many, many better Queen songs and when you listen to the minimalism of sheer heart attack, yeah, you know, and actually Now I'm Here is a great, rock song you know and and, and then you can't fault the ambition of Queen and the and the kind of the imagination and that but it's when that kind of grandiosity for its own sake and the kind of that behaviour the, the Rolls Royces and the limousines and all that nonsense all the kind of waste and the excess of rock and roll I thought you know I'm like that's what I liked about punk was it like get rid of all the crap and what's the work about so you were ready for punk when it came oh, along? Oh, yeah, when it came along, no. It was like a scorching fire of redemption. What was the first punk song you remember hearing? New Rose by The Damned. Right. Is she really going out with him? Yeah. The drum sound on New Rose. Yeah, that's one of my Desert Island discs. Definitely. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. With Sky One, bringing you homegrown British comedy, drama and entertainment. Mm. Ding dong. 
So did you listen to the radio, somebody who went on to have this career in radio, which I sometimes well, get the impression was well, kind of by accident? Yeah, so the radio came about, and my affection for radio, because when we moved in with my second stepdad, Bob, so he lived to the north of Horndon on the Hill in Essex, but in a shack like in the middle of nowhere. If you go Breelades, Horndon on the Hill... Once again, I'm speaking to our online people here. I think it's Honda. Go for picture. Go. Oh, yeah, that's where... Yeah, dragging down, keep dragging down, keep dragging down, dragging down. This is like, do you remember uh, the golden shot? Yes. Okay, stop. It's as there. Far as that's, that. that's, that's, that's where it is. Yeah. That's where Breelades is, about there. Oh, hang on, we're seeing something, so we're in a country so, lane. Yeah, it's around about... Yeah, I think it's that gateway there, which is now, obviously, that's, that's different and new. And obviously, there's properties built on it since then, but that's around about where we used to live. <laughs> so, when Bob was there, um, there was no mains electricity, and anything that he wanted to uh, listen to or, or, or play or do had to be battery-powered. So... Uh, we didn't get electricity for three months. So I lived like the Amish. We used to listen to the radio. So I remember hearing sort of very early radio ones. I remember Tony Blackburn. I remember Jimmy Young doing recipes. Uh, I remember uh, hearing Wogan's voice as well. So actually to then go on to be on, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue, was actually a really big deal for me because it's something I listened to as a kid. Just saying before we switch the microphones on, there's a, there's a touch of the Bob Dylan to you. You seem to be always on tour. In that um, uh, one gig in ten is any good. <laughs> <laughs> People shout Judas when you go electric. Yeah, yeah, that's basically it. I plug anything in, there's an awful kerfuffle. Um, I suppose it, yeah, it's when you haven't done it for a while, you're quite keen to, to, to kind of get as many gigs in as you can. And also because um, having not capitalised on my sort of television brand like others have. I remember having a chat with Jack D about um, perfect size of venue. Socially, we don't like to be near strangers, yes. weirdly. I tell you what, is a large proportion of people who heckle genuinely believe they are helping the evening. Yes. Because you need heckling. And I'm like, no, yeah. you don't. Yeah. And if it and I just I I I'm when I when I when it happens I know I address it in a quite different way from any other performer I have to say. So what what's what's your approach? I don't want to give it away because okay. then people will come and heckle in For order sure. to find out what it is. But yeah. so it is what it's very different. So there's a brilliant Australian comedian. I heartily uh, um, recommend your uh, listeners check out who will be coming over um, doing a run at the Soho Theatre, I believe, uh, with a show called Ghost Machine. Uh, Laura Davis, brilliant comic. The way she handles audience trouble is one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen because it's not in a way that you'll have seen it done before ever. But yeah, the new sh- uh, Ghost Machine. It's an old show that she did that she described to me that I'm dying to see, so I can't wait. Well, I think it speaks well of you that you're here to talk about your tour and we've just spent a substantial <laughs> amount of time plugging somebody else. Yeah, but, you know, I know, I know my act. <laughs> I've seen it a lot, trust me. <laughs> if, you could, uh, if you could go back and sort of silently watch yourself at any age in these years we've talked about, where would you like to see little Phil, little Pip? I'd probably go back to the day in 68, when I bunked off school and my mum accidentally hit me in the leg with a scythe. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'd probably go back to that day <laughs> and tell her to possibly put the scythe down. What did your mum need a scythe Actually, for? Actually, it wasn't pub? a scythe, it was a sickle. I always <laughs> right. think that that's maybe one of the reasons I'm a socialist is because I've actually been wounded <laughs> by a sickle. Um, the garden was like wild because we are in the woods and she wanted her to try and make a garden for me to play in and so it was a very, very hot summer day and the only way she could get rid of the grass was with a sharpened sickle and so she was 30 feet away from me and she was she cutting the grass, cutting the grass and she literally just swung her arm round and her hand was sweating and the thing just uh, slipped out of her uh, hand. I mean, like a boomerang. Yeah, yeah. Shot across the thing and hit me in the leg. Have you got a scar? Yeah. So what, I mean, what happened at the time? This is going to be one of the, we got a camera on. (laughs) This will be fun. Show that little camera there. (laughs) Phil is currently undoing his belt. Here we go. I mean, I'm lucky it was the knee, really. He's a boxer's man. Oh God, yeah, I mean, that's quite quite a scar. So were were you in hospital overnight with that? No. You just uh, went in, four, they stitched you up. Four stitches. Wow. The interesting thing about that. Sorry, I'm doing my trousers up again, which is why I'm off mic. <laughs> this is, um, this is uh, think of other radio stations. This you're you're a button fly guy. Buttons. 501s, babe, all the way. <laughs> so uh, five stitches, it got infected. Got infected. So I remember this. And, and listeners of a nervous disposition may like to not listen to the next minute of radio so it got infected and my old man took me and the the knee blew up big it got big and red and infected and i went it hurts and i can't bend my knee bob it hurts and i can't bend my knee he went i'll take you to hospital and we'll get them to have a look at it and so he took me to the hospital and then we went into we went to casualty and i went well is is philip you know oh yeah we said philip he had some stitches last week aren't you a brave boy and i was like crying and i'm like my knee hurts it hurts i'm like oh we better take a look at that then haven't we and so so they took the the dressing off right yeah and it was all big and puffy and all right and and the nurse went can you bend and say took all the dressing off and so the thing is there and the stitches and she went she went oh those stitches have sort of one of the stitches has burst but I'll take those out so they took the t- stitches out with tweezers yeah. so it's there the wound and it's all red and puffy and the nurse went can you bend your knee Philip and I went I can't it hurts but I don't, I don't want to bend it I don't want to bend it she went come on bend your knee and I bent my knee yeah and a jet of pus oh <laughs> A jet of pus shot 12 foot across the floor of this hospital. Oh, God. <laughs> it is. For those of you, you know, and I know that there's those of you out there that when you've got spots on your teenage, there's a slight kind of, yeah. oh, yeah, when you get the mirror, that joy. Let me tell you, I have shot a jet of infected white blood cells out of my knee. 12 foot across a hospital floor and to this day my old man says it's one of the most horribly impressive things I've ever seen in my life I think we should leave it there Oh, I think we should leave it there. Really? <laughs> I mean, is it, I mean where, where can we go from there? I know, Phil? I know, I going? know. I know. Uh, yeah. Phil Jupiter's, thank you so much. We'll come back and do the teenage years, don't worry. <laughs> Only on Union Jack. You're listening to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory. And that's that, a trip down memory lane with the lovely Phil Jupitus. Thanks so much for listening with your ears to Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory. The next episode's in two weeks' time and will feature hilarious comedian and writer Mark Steele. Don't go anywhere, however, because coming up on Union Jack now is... 
Well, I haven't got a clue. Um, and that's the point, because Union Jack lets you vote for every song that we play. Six decades of British music right here for you to pick from. So grab the app and get voting for what plays next. I'll be back in a fortnight's time. We'll speak then. Bye from me and bye from... Uh, well, actually, it's just me. There's no one else here. No one else. Lonely old Jeff. Bye-bye. Jeff Lloyd's Hometown Glory on Union Jack. A trip down memory lane with Britain's best-loved comedians. With Sky One. For those who like their shows bigger, brighter and bolder. Mm. Sounds like our first wife.